from the Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island. It's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island Athletics podcast. With your hosts, David Pizzuto. Smith with a wide open Palinkovic to her left. Palinkovic one-on-one against Mike Camp and it's in. Versada Palinkovic from Narmina Brachic all sprung off the little tap in the backfield by Laval. A great one, two, three punch for the Dolphins, and they're up one nothing. And Joseph Foreman. And the 2-2 is hit out to left center. And if that one gets to the wall, this game could be over. Cutting it off is Windsor. It gets away from him. Here comes Miola. The relay throw to the plate. Not in time. And the Dolphins win it in the bottom half of the ninth inning. A walk-off RBI double off the bat of John Pomerico. And the Dolphins win it 2-1. to one. In-depth stories, reviews, and previews, interviews, and so much more. It's all right here. And now, for the Dolphin Pod, here are your hosts, Dave and Joe. And welcome into the Dolphin Pod. We are coming to you and premiering live on February uh, 21st of 2020, every Friday here on CSIDolphins.com. I'm David Mazzuto alongside Joe Foreman, and today we uh, usher in episode 16 of the Dolphin Pod uh, a lot of great athletics having taken place last week and, of course, into the week ahead with the postseason. And our uh, featured guest today will be Anthony Lozada of the CSI baseball team. Hard to believe, Joe, that in just a few short days, it'll be the official start of both the Diamond teams, baseball and softball. Baseball, of course, uh, starting earlier. And it's going to be great to have uh, Anthony join us to talk a little bit about what's to come in the weeks ahead. We've seen two seasons come to an end this past week. Men's and women's basketball wrapping up earlier in the week. Swimming wrapping up soon. Of course, they'll be participating in the Metropolitan Swimming Championship coming up this weekend. But as you said, we'll look ahead to baseball season coming up when we speak with Anthony Lozada during today's show. Of course, I always look forward to baseball. I get to spend some more time on Sportsnet. Huge Mets fan, huge baseball fan, fan of the sport. Softball coming up a bit later. The first home game for softball, I believe, is a while after the home opener for baseball. And, of course, men's tennis coming up later in the month as well. So a lot to look forward to. But first, we have a couple of seasons to wrap up from this past week. Yeah, and, of course, the primary season we're wrapping up is basketball. That's what took center took center stage last week. So why don't we uh, take a look at everything that happened in the world of CSI Athletics last week with the weekly rewind. It's now time to rewind the week. Your look back into the week that was at CSI. With the weekly rewind, here is Joe Foreman. The week opened with indoor track and field participating in the Fast Track National Invitational on Friday in what was a record-setting meet for several Dolphins. Rebecca Deloya's time in the 60-meter dash was only one-third of a second shy of CSI's all-time record, and Danae Wilson set a new record in the 200-meter dash for the women. On the men's side, Justin Davis surpassed his own record in the 60-meter dash, and Ahmed Kodir narrowly broke his own record in the 800-meter run. For men's and women's basketball, Tuesday brought their season finale as they celebrated senior night as part of a doubleheader against the Baruch College Bearcats. For the women, Lena Batar, Elena DeMontro, and Diana Todaro were recognized ahead of tip-off with each getting the start in their final game as Dolphins. Once the action got underway, CSI remained in control of the game from start to finish and took the victory 82-56. With the win, women's basketball closed the season at 15-1 against the CUNYAC, setting a new program single-season record 
for wins against the conference. They also wrap up the season with 12 straight victories dating back to early January. For the men, they also had three seniors to recognize ahead of tip-off, Christian Kopech, Adiola Latunji, and James Delahanty, all of whom got the start against the Bearcats. However, it was Baruch that came out of the gate strong on the heels of the Senior Day ceremony to take a commanding lead early. The Dolphins would cut the lead to single digits late, but never really got within striking distance down the stretch as they dropped their final game of the season, 76-63. to Yeah, Joe, so obviously uh, basketball taking center stage and, of course, the uh, – you know, big win against uh, Hunter last week, ushering in the final game and senior night for both teams against Baruch. Not the result that the men's team was looking for, although they were always involved in the game. Baruch kind of left the door open for them on many occasions. Still, they end their season with just uh, single digits and victories. That's the first time in 10 years, Joe, that that's happened for men's basketball. So certainly not something that you see uh, every day, but uh, some building blocks for the future, for sure. I think the emergence of a player like Andrew Cartalis is something to be noted. I think, um, you know, ever since he came back from that from that injury that sidelined him for a couple of games, he was really CSI's number two, number three threat uh, offensively. And and then, you know, how much more can you say about the CSI women's team? You know, finishing up with 12 straight victories. That's the longest win streak in 15 years. They'll hope to build on that win streak uh, next year when they, um, you know, when they start their season and add to it. Uh, but like you mentioned, 15 and one in the CUNY, far and away the CUNY's most premier women's basketball program this year, having beaten every team at least once. Um, 17 wins in their last 19 games and all that. So, you know, every statistic that you mentioned just points to the fact that that was a, a really good campaign for Nicole Sarcone and her crew. It certainly was. And for the men, not the start they wanted to the season, got off to a rough start. And you'll hear no excuses from them. But they were missing two of their key yep. players all season long. Shamal Martin and Christian Taylor out of the lineup, both redshirting this year. We expect to see them back with the Dolphins next year. But you mentioned the emergence of a player like Andrew Cartalis, who scored in double figures in his last seven games of the season. Another great campaign for Adiola Latunji, who the Dolphins will graduate this year and lose next year. But they hope that the returning Taylor and Martin can offset the loss of Latunji. They also graduate Christian Kopech and James Delahanty, who were forced to play increased roles this year with the absence of players like Austin Mick for the last two games. Kopech missed some games early in the season, and of course, Taylor and Martin not playing at all this season. So through a ton of adversity, the men battled in each and every game. They always played till the final buzzer. I've said that time and time again. Last night against Baruch, they fell down big in the first half and scratched and clawed their way back into that game, got the lead down to within single digits, but never really got close enough to make a serious push late in that game. And what haven't we said about the women's basketball team already? You mentioned some of the statistics, the wins against the CUNY, the winning streak to end the season, but looking at them out on the court, you could see that they were steadily improving throughout the season. And that's a testament to the job Nicole Sarcone and her coaching staff have done this year. They did a tremendous job developing their young freshman players, clearly brought in some very talented players, as we saw Christina Arvello, Deidre Foster, and Jada Rogers all made significant contributions to this team throughout the season. They improved steadily throughout the year. And even on the stat sheet, you look at some of the shooting percentages for these players, and they've shot the ball extremely well this season. They moved the ball much better as well as the season went along and played the typical stifling defense we're used to seeing from them, especially against the CUNY. Yeah, and you know, you can make the argument that the CUNY itself is a, a rather weak conference, especially on the women's side. You have some programs that notoriously struggle or have been struggling over the past few years, you know, 
programs like Medgar Evers and Lehman's been on a down on a downturn. Um, CCMY has had some struggles in recent years, but got to give credit to the Dolphins. You know, you, you you stand the team in front of them, they knock them down, and that's what good teams are supposed to do. They hit a snag with their game against Hunter College the first time around, a game that they they would go you know to their death saying that they should have won that game, and they ended up losing it by four and. But they didn't lose, uh, you know, ever since that loss against Hunter. And they beat Brooklyn College twice. They beat Hunter, the returning champions, uh, on their home floor uh, last week and probably what was their biggest win of the season. And they scored a very impressive victory against Cabrini University, a team that had beaten the number 10 team in the nation a couple of days prior. So, you know, got to give, you know, credit to the Dolphins. They did start the season 0-6, but um, a 17-8 and season against the backdrop of a very difficult out-of-conference schedule, that's saying a lot. You know, teams like Malloy and, and Post and Southern New Hampshire, Wagner College, uh, NCAA Division One on the schedule. So to finish 17-8, and definitely something to hang, hang their hats on uh, going into next season. They can come in with a, a really bright outlook. And what a distant memory that 0-6 start is. I spoke about the men getting off to a rough start, but I saw those games firsthand down in Florida, a couple of big losses. They also started the season winless, but the women did start 0-6. It's very easy to forget that. And you mentioned the CUNYAC conference, the women taking care of business against what is often perceived as a weaker conference in some instances. I've always said that the men's games played against CUNYAC opponents, you never really know which way those games are going to go. They always seem to be very competitive games, not so on the women's side. And you take a look down the Dolphins' schedule, a 45-point victory over CCNY, a 70-point victory over Medgar Evers. Some huge wins for the Dolphins throughout the season, 54 over Lehman. And that wasn't uncharacteristic of the Dolphins' games against those teams. And the best games the Dolphins played in terms of competitiveness were against Hunter and against Brooklyn. And the Dolphins won three out of four of those games, defeating Brooklyn twice, that last matchup against the Bulldogs on the road. A very competitive game. We got to watch that live stream online and catch the Dolphins pull that game out 62-56. to And then when Hunter came into the tank, the Dolphins with a statement victory, defeating the Hawks by 19, rebounding from that loss earlier this season against Hunter College and Hunter College seemed like a bit of a different team down the stretch of the season got off to a much better start than the way they finished the year and really weren't competitive in that game against the Dolphins especially after the start of the third quarter CSI really ran away with that game after the halftime break so credit to the Dolphins for making the adjustments necessary finishing the season strong you mentioned the impressive win against Cabrini one of many impressive victories for the Dolphins this year and what was a tremendous season for women's basketball. So men's and women's basketball, the first of the winter sports to uh, finish up, and they joined the the fall sports as having wrapped up their first seasons in NCAA Division II. Uh, we may revisit them down the road again. I, I We have uh, Nicole Sarcone, at least preliminary, booked on the show for a couple of weeks from now uh, to kind of reflect on, on her season and what's to come, and I'm sure we'll catch up with TJ Tibbs as well. So basketball is not over for us, uh, but their season is. So let's turn our attention now to what's on tap, and a lot of that has to do with the culmination of our other winter sports. Uh, let's take a look now at the weekly preview. The Dolphin Pod now brings you what's on tap at CSI with the weekly preview. Get in the game. Here's what's happening. And it will be a light week here at the College of Staten Island at home. Nothing doing, but the men's and women's swim programs and the men's and women's track and field programs will begin uh, their postseason runs away from home. And it will start this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with CSI men's and women's swimming. They will be participating in the Metropolitan Conference Swimming Championship 
All legs of competition take place at Rutgers University in Piscataway, New Jersey. There are preliminary heats in the morning and then finals heats in the evening on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Be sure uh, to tune in to CSIDolphins.com each day for the latest results after each session. The men's and women's indoor track and field team play the first of two weekend postseason meets that start tomorrow, Saturday, February 22nd, where both teams will be at Ocean Breeze Track and Field Facility right here on Staten Island for the East Coast Conference Championships beginning at 5 p.m. Now, CSI is not eligible to win the championship, but they will figure into the scoring. They are eligible for individual medals, and the way the Dolphins have been running, they will contend. Once again, CSI men's and women's indoor track for the ECC championship on Saturday at 5 p.m. And uh, that's all she wrote until next weekend, Joe, when CSI track and field uh, officially ends their season at the CUNY postseason championship, part of, uh, you know, two concurrent weekends of, of championship play. But uh, both of those winter sports will come to an end in the days ahead. And, of course, they get the unique experience of participating in the ECC championship, being an individual sport in many instances. But you take a look at the indoor track and field roster and a lot of names and names that set records at this week's past meet that weren't a factor in the cross-country season. Rebecca DeLoya, Danae Wilson, Justin Davis, all with record-setting performances in the last meet last Friday, one week ago. And they have been big pieces that have been added to this indoor track and field team as the season has progressed. At times, they've had to patch things together in order to meet numbers for different meets throughout the season. But it's really turned out well as many of those names who joined the team late have really factored into the equation and are proving to be significant contributors. Yeah, and over 20 records in the indoor-outdoor season have been broken uh, just in this indoor season. We're talking about track events, sprint events, long-distance events, throwing events for um, our field players, uh, principally Stephanie De Silva and uh, and Domenico Natale, but and you mentioned a couple of new faces on the on the track side of the house, uh, really creating waves. And you know the Dolphins know that they're still a year or two away from really being in serious contention for a lot of medals and obviously for the for the advanced point scoring. But cross country season proved fruitful on the distance side. And now to look at the sprints and throwing events, it has the Dolphins duly excited. And much like swimming, Joe, uh, Coach Ganjemi has his players tapering so that they're at their very best and at their peak performance time right in time for championships. Well, you mentioned swimming, and they've had quite a long layoff ahead of this upcoming Metropolitan Swimming Championship. And I mentioned it last week in passing, but I spoke to Mike Akalitis, and he mentioned, and I'm not going to drop what names he gave me, but he said these are some names to look out for in terms of record-setting performances, whether it be an individual best time or even some school records, potential qualifiers for ECACs. So a lot of that to look forward to. I've built some graphics for him, and hopefully he'll get to use those on the swimming and diving social media this coming weekend. And it's a long four-day Metropolitan Swimming Championship for swimming and diving. But as I just mentioned, they've had plenty of time to prepare. And I know that much like Andrew Ganjemi, as you just referenced, he has conditioned his athletes to perform at their peak when this Metropolitan Swimming Championship comes up this weekend. Yeah, so it should be really exciting. Be sure again to tune into uh, CSIDolphins.com today, tomorrow, and through the weekend, obviously, as we chronicle what happens, uh, you know, when and if the Dolphins qualify for the evening uh, swim meets, which are the ones that get uh, scored and the ones that factor into uh, how the Dolphins' final result will be. But but you're right, Joe. When I spoke to um, 
uh, when I spoke to when I spoke to Michael Blacharski a few weeks ago on the Dolphin Pod, he said that this was really the meat that was circled on the calendar from the very beginning. It has the Dolphins pitted up against NCAA Division One and Division Two swimmers at the same exact time. And you know, the Dolphins ju- don't just want to go there and hang out and show up. They really want to score. They really want to come in top sixteen in a lot of these events. And this is what the team has been building for all season. And it's not often you can get an athlete to admit exactly what game or what meet in this case it is they've circled on the calendar but I think for swimming and diving this one in many cases is probably an easy choice a championship swimming meet that they get to participate in facing the best competition that they faced all season Adelphi came in late in the year division two program here at the tank and that meet didn't go so well for the Dolphins in terms of scoring but they got to look at exactly what it will take to compete at the highest level and as they transition into NCAA division two the Metropolitan Swimming Championship should give them another look at what they need to reach in terms of competitiveness and hopefully for them they can score as you mentioned you know they're not going there just to spectate as you mentioned and to be nothing more than spectators they're going there to score that's something they intend to do and hopefully for them they can do it I know Mike Acolytus believes they can yeah so um should be interesting to see we'll we'll keep our eyes on that for sure uh by this time next week the CSI baseball team will be on a bus heading to Myrtle Beach so while swimming and track and field are finishing up their seasons indoors it will be the spring sports that start their season out of doors and when we come back from this commercial break we will speak to CSI senior baseball player Anthony Lozada he will join us to talk about everything affiliated with CSI baseball including his tremendous career as a CSI Dolphin so stay with us right after the break we have Anthony Lozada joining episode 16 of the Dolphin Pod You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder. Because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division II. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division II and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves our vision, our heart, our drive to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division Two, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. We will be premiering episode 16 on Friday, February 21st. 
2020. And next week at this time, uh, the young man joining us will be on a bus heading to Myrtle Beach for spring training, uh, a three-day, six-game stretch against NCAA Division II opponents. We want to welcome in Anthony Lozada to the show. Anthony, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we're we're excited to have you on board, and we're really excited for baseball season. Getting back outside, the sun is shining. It's still a little cold here on the home front, but yeah. uh, it's got to be exciting um, for you guys to start to get outside a little bit. I know the indoors gets a little crazy. It's a constricted space. So I know that you guys always appreciate this time of the year just to get out of this building. Always, especially since the soccer field's kind of been getting renovated right? lately. Yeah. We're usually out there practicing, at least getting our infield, outfield down, getting the, the mechanics down. But being trapped in the gym, it's not <laughs> a lot of fun. So looking forward to being outside. The weather's heating up. It's uh, It's very exciting. Yeah, especially as an infielder, there's only so much work you can do on right. that gym floor. Exactly. You can't get those hops. You can't get the ground balls the same way as you can on the turf field. So looking forward to being outside again. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to talk to you a lot more about the CSI team and some of our expectations uh, coming into the season. Let's talk a little bit about you first, Anthony. You know, growing up around around sports, was it always baseball for you growing up? Yeah, it was always baseball since since I was born. You know, my dad said he had the baseball in my crib when I was a baby. So I already knew what sport I was playing growing up and my dad was just a, a, a huge inspiration to me and idol to me when it comes to the baseball life because even before I was born, he was real deep in, in the baseball life uh, coaching youth service. Mm. It's a team out in Brooklyn. It's a very, very well-known team out there. And um, back in 1994, he, he coached a championship team out mm. in, it was a tournament in Pennsylvania, triple ABA tournament. And um, eight players that he coached from that team actually made it to the big leagues. Wow. A couple of big names, Julio Lugo from the Red Sox, okay. uh, uh, John Rodriguez, a bunch of big names. And so just ever since I was born, he's always been that big influence for me. And I've been grateful ever since. And you mentioned Brooklyn. Were you born in Brooklyn or? I wasn't born in Brooklyn. Okay. Right before I was born, they moved. They made the move out here to gotcha. Staten Island. But okay. uh, my dad's Red Hook, Red Hook, Brooklyn, live and die. That's his place forever. Got it. All right, big question for you. Said it was baseball from the start. Who is your major league team? Oh, I'm the. <laughs> hate to say it, I'm a Mets fan. It hurts. It's uh, good, good choice, time. but terrible choice. I know. I'm, I'm a Mets fan. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm a Mets fan. Yeah. I actually got my ticket plan 2015, so I got in at the right time. Unfortunately, Perfect, I've been hooked yeah. since, and it's not working out for us right now. But I've been a Mets fan my whole life, so you know the struggle as well. But for you, when you first picked up baseball, was that a struggle for you? Was it something that naturally came to you and just a skill that you felt like maybe you were born with? Um, yeah, I just feel like it was something that was just natural to me. I just loved playing it. I just it, it was a ton of fun since the moment I grabbed the ball and uh, just used to playing it every single day, every week, practices. It just came natural to me, I feel like. And for the Dolphins, your role typically is as a utility man. Is that something that you adopted from youth, or did you experiment with different roles such as pitcher? I know when I played, I was usually third base pitcher, yeah. and they wouldn't stick me in the outfield too much. There was a lot of third base, first base pitcher. Did you play all different positions? Yeah, growing up, I was used to playing everywhere. Like when I was 12, 13, even on the travel teams, I would play outfield, right field, left field. I'm not the fastest guy, so they had to move me back to the infield, second base, shortstop, third. I'm just... I got used to playing all those positions. Anything but catcher. Just keep me away from home plate. Yeah, I was a Piazza fan growing up, and I initially wanted to play catcher. My father said, absolutely not. You yeah. will not destroy your knees playing exactly. catcher. So. That's exactly what my dad says. Yeah. He was a catcher, and he would tell me, don't yeah. do it. Your knees are going to get shot. It's not even not even worth it. Yeah, I figured next closest thing was pitcher, so I moved over to the mound and worked out pretty well for me through about fourth grade, and then I yeah. just gave it up for basketball outside in front of my house. But it was a fun time when I played. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, uh, so obviously you've been around baseball, you know, for, for, for most of your youth, uh, you know, most of your youth, um, were there any other sports involved or was it, or was it just baseball? Um, I love playing all kinds of sports, honestly, basketball, football. I just consider myself an athlete, but as far as like getting into an official team, I never got into a real basketball team or football team. I guess that's kind of one thing I regret, like going to Curtis high school, I kind of wish I would at least tried out for the football yeah. team see if i would have made it they've but always had a strong team at yeah, they, yeah they're more so a basketball football mm-hmm. school and they're not really a baseball school but it's i still i'm always picking baseball at the end of the day and you know every once in a while we do play at curtis you right because they have the uh they, they have the field that's available to us at times when our field is is offline so that's got to be pretty cool for you exactly we just had seven eight practice right. this weekend yeah, I so that. i love curtis I, that's my place forever yeah and you know baseball is is i give baseball players a lot of props because especially here in the northeast the weather is not always conducive to it yeah. i mean even when even at csi i mean we're never really baseball ready to play right. during our season it's usually towards the end exactly where we just want to get started you know because that's when the weather really starts to break you know um as far as playing baseball here on the Northeast, you know, even even growing up, is that is that a real struggle, especially for like an infielder with the tough hops, the hard ground sometimes? You know, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it definitely takes some time getting used to it. It's definitely not a fun – baseball is not a fun sport in the cold. I know, yeah. You know, making contact with a metal bat, it just vibrates your hands. It, it can mess <laughs> up your whole, your whole mood. But it's something you got used to. I just practicing all the time, getting ready, getting prepared because – in the middle of the game, you're not, you're not feeling that cold anyway. When mm-hmm. the adrenaline's rushing at the end of the day, it's game time. So, Yeah, so you mentioned Curtis High School and obviously known as a football, uh, basketball school. But obviously, you're, in, you're invested in, in the baseball program there. How was the team at Curtis when you were, you were in high school? And when did that kind of light switch go on that, that you told yourself, you know what, I do want to play at the next level? Right. Well, my sophomore year, uh, they kind of threw a curveball at us for PSL-wise because we were in a division where we would play the teams like Tottenville or the Wagner. Okay. It was a good, good competition. And then they kind of demoted us to a lower division. I see. And so we had to play like the lower end Brooklyn schools or mm-hmm. Petrides. And it was still a fun experience, but it wasn't up to the competition that I wanted to be playing mm-hmm. at. Like um, a lot of the guys on our team, they baseball wasn't their first sport either. They were just playing it just to, just to play it, just mm-hmm. get the experience down. But at the end of the day, it was still an awesome experience. I wouldn't trade that experience in for anything. Uh, I remember everything, and I'll, I'll take that with me forever. Great. And moving on from the high school experience, how did CSI come onto your radar? What really alerted you to the presence of CSI? Was it more being a native Staten Islander thing, or did CSI come and find you? What was the process Definitely. Like? I always knew that I kind of wanted to stay more towards home, and CSI has always had my eyes, especially because the dominance as far as the baseball team. Like Year after year, I'd always see that they'd win the championship and that they had a strong team. And uh, eventually, one of the former coaches, uh, Neil Barbella, he came down to one of my games and he was letting me know that we're interested in you. And it was something that I appreciated because I wasn't really looking forward to going upstate or, or even a place in Miami. My dad had a friend out in Miami who coached the school, Florida Memorial University. And uh, we actually went down there for a trip to visit the school and uh, to play with a few guys on the team. And it was a fun experience. It was a great campus to be at, but I just... I didn't see myself there for four years. Like I didn't mm-hmm. see myself being able to stay away from home that long. So uh, I think I made the better decision. 
Dave touched upon the trip earlier. I know last year the weather wasn't exactly ideal. I know we had some internet connectivity issues and that there was a lot of rain. I think one of the games was actually wiped out, maybe yeah, midway through. Yeah, the second game of that yeah. double header. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I, I do remember that. But so much of the trips, and I saw it with men's basketball, I talk about it on the podcast all the time, is the camaraderie between the players, and especially your style of trip, taking a bus on the way in. And how does that build the team chemistry? And yeah. what are some of the notable stories you may have that you can share on the podcast? That 13-hour bus, bus ride definitely builds a bonding experience for sure it's a ton of it's tiring but it's a ton of fun too that whole trip down there being five days in Myrtle Beach and the kind of resort that we stay at it's we're very close-knit we don't have to live together we got to cook our own food together it's like it's a real family type experience and it's a lot of fun yeah I really uh I was impressed with that trip I had gone on on a baseball trip many years ago and then I had it and I went on the trip last year with you guys I was very impressed I was kind of really uh, awed by how systematic it was and how everybody kind of, again, that whole cooking together, right. um, you know, visiting in the coach's room and talking about, you know, the, how the trip is going. I was really, I was really left impressed. And, you know, I think one of the impressive things about it, Anthony, is that, you know, while a trip like that is supposed to be, you know, in part fun, it, you know, you, you know, you guys are spending a lot of time together. You should be able to joke around. You should be able to kind of unwind and relax, get your minds off the books a little bit. But also it was really the workmanlike approach you guys took to that trip. Right. It, it was business. You know, when you guys got out there, it was business. So tell me a little bit about skirting that line between, hey, we're here to bond, have a good time, get away from from the Northeast a little bit, enjoy the weather. But at the same time, it is a business trip. Exactly. And I think you got to credit that to Coach Murrow and the whole coaching staff. It's we're going out there to have fun, but it's always business as usual. We mm -hmm. still have a curfew. We still have a, a practice the first day we get there at 7 o'clock to, to get in the groove of things. And so uh, we know that we have six games to play, and we're looking to get six six Ws out there. And that's what we're going there to do. Yeah, and, you know, the, the trip is kind of a microcosm of the season because you guys are there, and you play six games in three days. It's, yeah. a, it's taxing. It's taxing on the body, whether you're playing every day or, or, or not. Um, and that's really how the season goes. I mean, you guys cram 40 plus games into right. essentially six weeks because usually the first couple of weeks in March get knocked out. How do you prepare your body to take that much of a beating? Right. Well, it's just the off season, the work that we put in, even in the fall uh, and until now we're practicing six days a week and we're still hitting the gym with Gavin and we're still getting mm -hmm. our bodies prepared. And so all that takes into account and, and it builds up for this moment. Dave mentioned your former high school, Curtis, before, and you actually played a game at my former high school last year at Staten Island Tech, and it right. was a cold day that day. How much does the warm weather help in terms of the conditioning and just getting back to feeling as if you're playing at 100 percent? And something else I have to mention, too, Staten Island Tech didn't have a legitimate outfield wall yeah. except for <laughs> way, way back. So how much of a role did that play in the game? Yeah, I remember that. It was freezing. I couldn't feel my hands, but... It, when the warm when the warm weather creeps up, it's just you get so much more comfortable. Your your body's able to relax more. You get back in the groove of things. You're just focusing on just just going out there and playing instead of going out there and freezing and, and having to worry about that cold weather and having five layers of clothing on during that during the baseball game. But. And before you mentioned the reputation of CSI that you were aware of during high school, what exactly was the word on the street regarding the CSI baseball program and Mike Morrow, who you just referenced, your head coach? And what was the aura around the program that, and the perception people had? The perception is that it was a winning place. That you go there, you know you're going to be a part of a winning tradition and a, a team that they're, they're not used to, used, to, used to losing at all, especially when I bring it back to last year. Um, it was a real disappointment not being able to win that championship. But the fact that we even got to the championship with the kind of year that we had, it was a it, it was very important for us. 
Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, Anthony, one of the questions I had, too, is as a baseball player, you're a part of one of the biggest teams at the college, too. So, you know, it's important when you have that that many different personalities, that many people who've played baseball in, at, in, in you know, different high schools and, you know, maybe are not always on the same page when they get here to really be to really be successful. You need to be a cohesive and a, and a foundational unit. Can you tell me about how the team tries to really, you know, come together during these first few weeks of practice, like intense practice to six days a week that you mentioned, what does the team try and do to kind of build that chemistry for such a large team? Yeah, the chemistry is real important. We have a bunch of guys from Brooklyn, from Queens, all over just, and uh, when they get here, it's just being a part of something filled with good vibes. You know, Mm -hmm. you just want to make people feel comfortable when they get here. You don't want to be a place where it's just strictly business, no jokes, no laughing. You want to be able to build relationships Mm -hmm. because friendships is what we're going to build out of this at the end of the day. 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to look back at our memories that we built with the guys on this team here. And so it's real important to make sure that we're just able to be comfortable with each other. And so cracking jokes on each other, whatever it takes just to, to be comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it's a perfect segue to my next question, which is, though, you know, even though it is a very friendly environment, you guys got to battle to get on that field. Because at the end of the day, only nine get to play at any one time. And right. and on a roster with, you know, 25, sometimes 30, even even more uh, during some years, it's hard to crack that lineup. So you're you're with guys to your right and to your left who, you know, are your best friends. But you're also very competitive with one another, too, because you're looking to get on that field. Tell me a little bit about the mind of a baseball player to kind of be in that in that frame of mind. Right. It's definitely where you just got to do whatever it takes to, to succeed, you know, do whatever is best for the team. I feel like that's where as far as me being a utility kind of guy, mm-hmm. like I don't care if I got to play third, shorts, uh, second base is wherever you need me. I'll be at. And that's the kind of mindset I'd rather have. And I feel like that's what, how. A lot of guys on the team think as mm-hmm. well as far as just working hard, taking care of what needs to be taken care of, and the rest will work itself out. Great. Well, Dave just mentioned some of the internal competition that goes into the preseason preparation and practice and determining starting lineups. But once the season gets underway, you mentioned last year a bit of a difficult season leading up to that CUNYAC championship berth. How did you and your teammates navigate through that, where at times things got very tough, giving up a lot of runs and there were errors in the field? How did you navigate that and stay close-knit and well-bonded leading up to a CUNYAC championship run? Yeah, it's definitely just that never give up mentality. Um, that's just something that, I don't know, is something about CSI and the sports here that we just don't give up, especially from the year before, my sophomore year, that championship game, talking about being down six runs in the eighth inning and being able to score eight runs in that eighth inning to come back and win that championship. We just built off that memory and we kept uh, knocking that back in our brains that it's still possible. Anything is possible. We just got to put our heads down and keep working. And never giving up is something we've heard from a lot of student athletes who have come on the program and that we've spoken to personally. But calling a lot of your games now over the last three or four years, watching you play and your teammates play, it's been apparent to me that your team is never out of a game just right. watching. But on a much lighter note, you mentioned that you have the ability to make jokes and a bit of a light, lighter atmosphere around the team as well. I have to ask about last year's freshman walk-ups. Oh, yeah. Mike Morrow, during oh. one of the games, <laughs> very upset, came storming up to the booth and Bad made us turn off the, the SpongeBob theme. And our poor public address announcer is just looking and he sees the name of the athlete coming to bat and clicks the button and Morrow came up to the booth and he was not happy. So how are those freshman walk-ups chosen? What was your reaction in the dugout yeah, at that moment? I don't know if we'll be doing that this year. We're going to see, but that was that was real funny. You know, that was a case of bad timing, being down a few runs and, you know, freshman comes in and then baby shark starts playing and it's like stuff like that. 
like the dugout starts laughing, but you know, deep down inside, oh, that wasn't really a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Poor, <laughs> poor, I think it might have been our friend Joe on public address. <laughs> poor Joe. He clicks the yeah. button for, I think it was the SpongeBob SquarePants theme. And, <laughs> I've already been given the memo that we will not be having. Yes. Oh, there it is. Or maybe we'll do it like one time around the order and then. <laughs> maybe when we're winning, up. hopefully. Maybe, yes. maybe. <laughs> Only in games where we're leading exactly. in the sixth inning or later of a nine inning game. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like a plan. And, uh, and Joe kind of stole my thunder with, with my question because I actually jotted down, you know, CSI, CSI never makes it easy. You know, there's something about this team, Anthony, where like you guys just can't win easily. I mean, unless we're playing a team that's overmatched like a yeshiva, but man, like it seems like we have to be down to win. It seems like our backs up to have to be up against the wall. But at the same time, that's when this team always seems to play its best. You know, so what is it about this team? You've been on the team now. This is your fourth year. What is it about this team? Is it is it that you relish being that underdog, that you just like being with your backs up against the wall? Yeah, it's just something about that pressure. It just mo- it motivates us, I feel like. It's not something you want to be sure. able to do, yeah. you know, losing the first game and having to make sure you go on an undefeated streak to go to the championship. But if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. It's going to motivate us to, to be at our best and mm-hmm. to motivate each other to just pick ourselves up. Even when we're feeling down, we just got to keep pushing. And that, that's just that mentality that we've had every year since I've been here. Yeah, I was going to say, it probably makes you, at the end of the day, a better player because you yeah. always kind of have to be on. You know, you never know when your number is going to get called in a situation like that. What has being on this team really done for you athletically? How have you gotten better uh, as a player? What are some aspects of your game that you're really proud of that you've been able to develop here at CSI? I mean, being a, being here has made me such a, a better athlete, you know, working so much harder than I ever have in high school. You know, I, coming into an environment and a facility like this, I wasn't used to having all these resources and, and being able to put these to use as far as the, the training gym or, or even getting iced up with Allison, all mm-hmm. that stuff, it pays off. It's really useful. And, but as far as the lessons that I've learned on the baseball field, Coach Morrow, he, he lets us know all the time that the stuff that we learn right now, it's always going to push us and, and help us on the next level when we mm-hmm. grow up and get out into the real world, you know? It's like right now, all this hard work that we put in, it's really a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Like five years from now, we're going to look back and like, wow, this is what I was stressing over, all these practices. That was nothing compared mm-hmm. to what I'm going through right now. And so yeah, that's true. definitely that it's real important. And that's something we think about all the time. And he, he reminds us that all the time. Yeah. And those lessons you learn playing sports are undoubtedly so valuable. And you just mentioned several that I take to heart when I watch athletes play and hear them talk to me about it and that I've learned throughout my life. But some of the memories you'll take with you as well are memories like the comeback exactly. in the CUNYAC championship. Is that at the top of the list for you right now in terms of your memories as a CSI baseball player? I feel like nothing could pass that right now. We still, from the guys from the old team that graduated, they still text us all the time randomly just talking about that moment. That's just something you can never let go of, you know, and thank God we have that on video. We can go mm. back and watch that and just experience that all over again. That's something I feel like it's like a, a one-in-a-lifetime one in feeling, excuse me. It's just being able to go through that comeback and, and something that's so remarkable like that. You don't see that every day. And so that, that's something, a story that when I'm a grandfather, I'm going to tell my grandkids about that for sure. You just, you just don't forget memories like that. And be sure you show them, too, since we do have the video of it, though. I think it was actually covered by CUNY and not by sports at that final game, if I remember yeah, correctly. I don't, I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think we covered it because I remember being in the press box at the end of the hallway watching that. And I'm sure it was it far exceeded our memory of the game for you out on the field or in the dugout. But for us as a staff, watching that game is one of the best memories we've had, or yeah. at least that I've had in the five years that I've been here. And your comebacks out on the field have really been tremendous and so exciting to watch. 
watch. But the road to that championship, down the stretch of the season, the team really began to play very well down the stretch toward the end. But was there any scoreboard watching? I remember on the last day, I think CCNY had to drop a game or two to ensure you pick up a spot. Were you watching those scores? Oh, we was definitely watching those scores. We (laughs) were in the clubhouse clubhouse praying. We was watching every inning. And luckily, it was going our way. It was just... The, the momentum was building up for us. We felt like, all right, there is a chance. We, we do have a shot to get back in this. And that was just something that we were definitely scoreboard watching every inning along the way. <laughs> yeah, not many athletes will admit to scoreboard watching, so I appreciate that. Yeah. And I figured, I think I was up in the booth calling the games that day. We had a little ticker on the broadcast right. that had yeah. the score of the CCNY-Lehman game, and yeah. it was updating as you were playing. We snipped out a piece of their live stats <laughs> and put it up on the screen. So we did have a live scoreboard as well. We were definitely scoreboard watching. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing how much we we like cheer up there, even though we're not supposed to. And, <laughs> you know, we, we have a good time up there, you know, sometimes just joking around and having fun. But we're really, um, you know, you're not the only ones enjoying the experience. We really, we really have right. fun up there watching you guys That's play. That's awesome. Um, you know, one of the questions I have because you actually alluded to it before when you talk about, you know, Moro and some of the lessons that you've been, um, you know, that you've been given as a player working under him. But really, the the baseball coaching staff is is has so much experience. I mean, Moro and Daddio alone, obviously, you know, drafted, you know, to uh, to play in the major leagues. Yeah. You know, they were in, you know, some 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 minor league uh, organizations, you know, before some injuries set them back. But Coach Steele has like 50 plus years of baseball yeah. experience. I mean, he he forgets more than what I'll ever know about baseball, you know, uh, you know, even Jimmy Marticos, you know, left-handed, you know, pitcher on a couple of CUNY championship teams, you know, uh, there's just so much info to really collect from them. What, you know, how, how important is it to have, you know, great mentors like that who really know about the game inside and out and have done it at just about every level? It's really important. And, you know, whenever they speak, I just be sure to listen to every single word that every piece of advice that they give, because, you just have to be a sponge in an environment like this, being surrounded by so many people that have been through the experience that you might have dreamed of growing mm-hmm. up. They, they lived it rather than us thinking we know it all. You can't think that we know it all mm-hmm. as, as far as players. The coaches always know what's best for us at the end of the day. And so that's just something that I definitely take uh, of importance. So you've been a part of uh, two CUNY championship teams. Uh, obviously, last year, you know, was more of a rebuild and, uh, you know, but you guys still made it all the way, you know, deep into the, uh, you know, into the uh, into the postseason. And now in the offseason comes this news that we're moving up to Division Two uh, East Coast Conference. Um, obviously, we're in, ineligible for postseason this year, but we're going to get a pretty healthy taste of some of some Division Two schools. It'll start, obviously, in Myrtle Beach right out of the gate. Uh, the CUNY teams, uh, you know, have a a big bullseye on our backs. They may, they want to make sure we leave the conference with a couple of L's. So what's the kind of mindset of the team going into this season as kind of like this in between, you know, phase, you know, uh, put me in the head of some of the, uh, you know, some of the players. I mean, we're just all real excited for the opportunity. You know, we don't really see it as far as, yeah, there's pressure involved as far as the other CUNY teams feeling that there's a target on our back, that they want to really give it to us to make sure that they know, oh, we're still here. But mm-hmm. we're just excited for the for the ride ahead because, like I said, in Curtis, you know, being demoted to a team where we're not playing the best competition, now we're being right. elevated and sure. boosted up to, to better competition. So it's really exciting, and I'm looking forward to every moment of it. 
we spoke about it earlier in the show, athletes not often quick to circle a game on the calendar and admit, at least to us, that this is one that they've marked. But when you see those Division Two opponents coming up on the schedule, is that something that you especially look forward to? Definitely. You want to see what they're made of, you know? We've got to show people that we have game two. Just because you might be a D3 organization that's just getting our feet wet in the D2, we have a lot of talent on this team, and we know what we're capable of. And so we're looking to snag away a few W's from those teams that they're probably underestimating us right now. They don't think that we're going to come in and show up and really beat them, but we're excited for the challenge. First season as a provisional Division II program. What is your message to the teams you'll be facing or to just the baseball world in general ahead of your first season as an NCAA Division II provisional member? Just got to watch out. Don't take us lightly, you know, just because you might think that uh, we're a lower-end team or we're not used to this type of competition. We have a lot of guys that love the game and that they know how to play on this team. And so we're just ready for it. Yeah. And of all the programs at CSI, you guys are actually getting the healthiest taste of the ECC. I mean, you're playing teams like St. Thomas Aquinas and Queens and right. Malloy and Mercy. You know, you're playing pretty much half the conference already in this in this in this first season. So you being a senior and knowing that you're kind of passing the baton onto the youth you know, of the program, you know, what's kind of your mentality going into the season? I mean, obviously you want to be able to put your best foot forward athletically and put your best personal product on the field, but from a leadership standpoint, what kind of responsibilities are you taking on your shoulders to make sure that the youth of this team understands what it's getting into? Right. As far as me being a leader, I just like to lead more as far as by example. I like to let mm -hmm. my, my actions do the talking. I was never one to be the more vocal leader, you know, nagging at people, screaming at people when I see something done wrong. I feel like it's kind of hard to build connections with a person like that. Sure. You know, me growing up, like if I look up to somebody, I look up to them because I feel like I can learn from them. I can ask them questions. I can I can build relationships with them. And uh, that's the kind of leader I want to be. I want to be able to be that guy that they can come up to me and ask whatever question. And if they're feeling the type of way or they, they feel like they want to learn something, I want to be that guy I'm there for. Great. And yeah, you know, in 2018, you were the coaches award winner for the team. So obviously Mike Morrow and the coaching staff think very highly of you, you know, being able to, you know, bring those intangibles onto the team. And you know what, you've had a pretty good career as well, you know, and I, I, I often say that, you know, every time it seems like we get a big at bat in a game, it's, you know, it's, it's Anthony's bat, you know, <laughs> he's getting up in some key situations as men on base, we're down by a run, we're up by a run, you know, so, you know, you've been involved in some pretty heavy situations yeah. uh, in your career. How excited are you for this, your last season to kind of be in, you know, right in the thick of it? I'm real excited. I feel like it's going to be my best year yet. I feel like every year I'm just trying to build on the last year. Mm -hmm. That's that's what the hard work comes in. That's just with that mentality. You just got to enjoy every moment of it because if you're not having fun, you're not going to do good as well. That's, that's my, my view on things. I want to just be able to go out there, have fun, build more experiences and just put my best uh, ability out there. Great. Well, Dave mentioned your role on the team as a leader. During the offseason, you were named one of the team captains, one of the five at the time. Have you had captains in the past that have been a major influence on you? I'm not sure if that's been a normal practice of naming captains, but I know Moro came to me and said he was naming captains, wanted me to make a graphic for him. So I wasn't sure if that's something he'd done in the past. So right. how do you view your role as a captain? And is there a captain that has influenced you in the past? Yeah, my previous years, he's named captains. There's a lot of seniors that I looked up to, you know, uh, Glenn Glenister, Usta. That's my guy forever. Anthony DeMarco, those are some guys that I've always appreciated the things that they've taught me. And I've learned from them, like like I said before, those are guys that I would look up to. And I know that I can go up to them, ask a question if I didn't know anything. It's, I was able to build great relationships with guys like that. And that's the kind of leader that I want to be, be able to be that influence on the younger guys right now. 
And a leadership role is a role that you assume on and off the field, on the field for this team going into this season. What do you perceive your role to be as a player strictly? And what do you think the team is looking for from you in this upcoming season? I mean, last year was my first year ever playing first base. And so I feel like this year I've been working a lot harder on it, getting more comfortable, getting my foot, uh, my foot wet in and I'm just I'm looking forward for the experience. I'm not sure if first base is going to be my position this year, and it it really doesn't even matter if they need me <laughs> at second base, wherever it is. I'm ready to I'm ready to play right now. I can't wait for this Myrtle trip. I'm just looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, one of the unique things about this year's team, along with last year's team, is the heavy amount of new faces on the team. It seems like these last two years in particular have brought almost like a complete, you know, uh, you know, overhaul or rehaul. And a lot of that has to do with you guys graduated a ton of talent yeah. over the last couple of years as well. Uh, who are you excited about? Uh, who in their first year, who in their sophomore year, maybe, uh, you know, a couple of players who are who are turning into upperclassmen? Who, who are you personally excited to see, you know, come up and develop this year on the team? Oof. Uh, right now, my boy Dom, uh, Dominic yeah. Stiglione, Stiglione yeah. that kid is a great player. He works so hard, you know, mm -hmm. watching him all the time. He, he puts the time in on his own, you know, staying by himself or with another player, just getting those extra hacks in. He's a pitcher, too. He, mm -hmm. He's a real good uh, a pitcher. He throws hard, and I've been able to see him grow since my since last year, and just I'm really excited for what he's going to do this year. I'm seeing big things from him, for sure. Awesome. Well, you know, you guys, um, you know, like I mentioned before, you you cram a lot of uh, play into such a short amount of time. But the other weeks of the year, the other months of the year, you're a student here at CSI. And obviously, you, you know, this is your fourth year here at the college. I believe you're a business management yeah, major. Yeah. So, you know, what are some of your thoughts um, post-college? Are you gearing up for a career uh, specifically? Right. Uh, well, thankfully, I have an older sister that has been blessed me with the opportunity. Uh, this past summer, I was able to get an internship at the job that she works at on Wall Street. It's nice. a financial firm. And uh, at first, just being an intern in there, I was just stocking files, you know, just regular just admin work. But uh, in the recent months, I was able to just level up to a point where I was doing the main job activity there as far as sales and, and I was building a lot I was learning a lot of things and that's something I'm looking forward to getting back to after I graduate going back to the city and uh, eventually uh working there full time so has finance always been something in the backdrop of your life math yeah that, that type of stuff money obviously I, money. <laughs> I was real good with numbers I love money so yeah. uh, all that type of stuff is something that I have a high interest in I, cool. I'm, I'm already a minor in finance as well mm -hmm. so I got that out the way and that's just something I've always looked forward to I love stocks I love number I, I love the numbers game awesome cool Sounds a lot like me, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should talk offline. You know, Mets yeah. fans, you know, finance. Yeah, we often talk to the athletes about how the student-athlete experience has prepared them for their aspirations beyond college. But how has your experience as a student prepared you for what you expect beyond college in your future career? Yeah, it was definitely a lot of work here. And even as far as high school and Curtis High School, a lot of people might not think that they have the academics down there. But I was a part of the IB program over there, and that's definitely shaped me. To, to who I am today as far as academically, you know, I feel like I worked so much harder in high school with the, with the papers and the, and the, and the, the testing and all that. It prepared me well for college now. I feel like lately it's been a real piece of cake as far as the, the work that needs to be done here. And that's going to help me even more when I graduate and get into the real world. I'm already prepared for, for everything that, that's ahead.
So the dream scenario for you that lies ahead. For me, when I was in college, it was be able to sit at home in front of a computer, sell stuff online. And then when I was called upon to work, it would be doing sports or calling sports, usually play-by-play commentary. So I'm pretty close to that dream scenario right now. What's your dream scenario in terms of a career and what lies ahead? Oh, my God. I really love real estate, too. That's something that I've really gained a big interest in the past year or so, just as far as something called wholesaling or just I want to get my foot in the door starting with wholesaling and just eventually build my own like real estate portfolio and be able to own multiple properties. That's something later down the line, I want to have my own real estate business where I can just let my properties work for me and I can just take a back seat and let my money work for me. That's that's a dream of mine for sure. Uh, it's a great dream to have. And, you know, it's it's so refreshing to hear some of your perspectives as a student, too, Anthony, because that's that's a part, you know, that, uh, you know, I don't want to say has, has been a challenge for for teams like baseball. And, you know, we've struggled sometimes with men's soccer being a sport that, you know, doesn't achieve as well academically as some other sports. And there are reasons for that big team. Um, you know, it's a, it's a grueling season. You're on a bus for hours at a time. Double headers take up eight to 10 hours of your day. You know, who wants to go back home and do homework after right, that or right. write a term paper? Your weekends are pretty much shot, yeah. you know, in, in, in the spring. So it's tough academically, but you know, coach Morrow, one of the things that he's spoken to me offline is that he really wants his team to be just as successful in the classroom. And that's really a focus of the team moving forward. Do you see that as a call from your coaches to really nurture that academic experience? Definitely. For you guys? They always tell us how important the academics is. That that really does come first at the end of the day. Because mm-hmm. if you're not coming here to learn and, and to be able to get that diploma, uh, what are you even here for? You know, just that that baseball and the sports stuff that comes second to this, and uh, it, it helps being able to balance both at the same time. It only helps you. You know, you're able to grow more. You're able to know what you push yourself to the limit. You know where your limit is, and you're able to break through that limit. And I feel like just the practices and having to go home and work on homework after it's, yeah, it's a grind, but it's stuff that needs to be done. And yeah. like I said before, we're going to look back at it like a piece of cake, <laughs> right? It's, it's a piece of cake. Now we're going to wish we were back in this predicament sure. five years from now. Yeah, definitely. It's really good perspective to have. And, you know, Anthony, you mentioned that your dad, um, you know, coached, uh, you know, obviously later, uh, you know, in, in Brooklyn, things like that. Will, will baseball have kind of a permanency in your life, even against the backdrop of, you know, finance and real estate. Do you plan on making baseball a part of your adult life definitely i feel like just like my dad uh, it's just something that baseball is never going to leave me Mm -hmm. even if it has to come to where i'm going back to brooklyn and helping out with that youth service organization like my dad did that's just something i'm always going to look forward to um i'm not i don't feel like i'm going to stop playing even after this season i just i like to be involved activity wise Mm -hmm. i like to be an active person i just don't want to sit around and do nothing after all this so i'm definitely looking forward to what's ahead Awesome. And we've also seen many of our student athletes make CSI a permanent part of their lives as well. And there will be many student athletes that come after you or at least visit the College of Staten Island's prospective student athletes. And I've asked every athlete on the program this question. What would be your pitch to those student athletes who are considering the College of Staten Island as their choice? I mean, it's a great environment. There's a lot of stuff going on here. And you can clearly tell that it's going in a, in a great direction. There's a lot of things coming. As you can see, the soccer field getting renovated. I know eventually the baseball field is going to get renovated next. And there's a lot of great resources here. Like I said, we have a great training staff. The, all the people in this building is just very friendly. It's a, it's a great filled with good vibes. And this is a great place to be around. And I don't see if people are hesitant or, or they feel like, oh, they don't want to go to CSI. They all oh, I have so much better options. But like at the end of the day, you're going to get a, a great experience over here. 
Now, permanency of baseball, do you think that in any way, does that somehow involve coaching? Because I know a lot of our student athletes go into coaching, whether it's right after their college careers end or a certain amount of time after that. A lot of them get into coaching. Do you see that in your future? I mean, as far as right out the gate, I don't think so just yet. You know, I just want to get uh, my foot in the door as far as getting that my, my own job and building my own career after school. But eventually, maybe 10, 15 years down the line, maybe even with my, you know, I get my own son or my own daughter. I put him in so- softball, my son in baseball. I'm definitely going to feel like I want to be a coach one day and, you know, guide them through, along the way. Yeah, it's a really good plan because while you have your youth, you should be playing as long as possible yep. and then get into coaching uh, for sure. So, you know, uh, Anthony, Joe mentioned one of the questions that he tells all of our all of our guests. I'm going to give you one that I tend to tell all of our guests. You know, everybody at the end of the day wants to win a championship or, or you know, win national titles and things like that. In order for this season to be tabbed a success for you. What needs to happen this year? What what needs to, you know, what needs to come together in order for you to leave this program and say, you know what, it happened just the way I wanted it? I mean, as far as number one thing is to be sure that we're having fun. You know, uh, let's say if we lose a bunch of games, getting, getting our foot in the door as far as the D2 experience, if we're not enjoying it and if we're not building our memories and building great experiences from this, then it's not really, it's not really worth it. I'm, I'm not sure. Awesome. And one last question for me, Anthony, graduating this year, senior, how do you want to be remembered here by the administrators of the College of Staten Island, your teammates, and anyone who watched you play? What do you want them to remember Anthony Lozada by? um, Remember me as a hard worker, you know, somebody that is real friendly, always has a smile on my face, you know, regardless of what a person may be going through in the background, I just feel like you always have to be that guy that's somebody that's relatable and something that you can build a connection with. And I just want to be remembered as a hardworking person that everybody loved. Awesome. Well, you know, Anthony, it's amazing how fast 40 minutes goes. I know you got to get ready for practice yeah. coming up outside. You guys are heading outside for a change, even though it's a little chilly out there. We mentioned it before. I know you guys are excited and you got to get prepared for that. But I got to tell you, you've been on this team for four years. I know we've had a couple of words exchanged every right. every now and then, but this is the first time that we actually got a chance to really sit down and learn a lot more about you. I know Joe and I always reflect and say, man, we got to do more of that because these stories are great. And it's been uh, so great learning a little bit more about you and your story to come to CSI. We're really proud of you. We're proud of the work that your team is doing. And we really look forward to watching you play. Definitely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. So that is Anthony Lozada, a senior on the CSI men's baseball team. By this time next week, they'll be on a bus heading to Myrtle Beach. You can catch those games live on the internet. And of course, you can catch Anthony all season long on CSI Sportsnet. But best of all, come on out to the CSI Baseball Complex. Watch Anthony and his team play. This is a storied program that's had a ton of success through the years. And I'm sure Anthony and his um, and his teammates will deliver once again in their first year in Division II. Anthony, once again, thanks for joining. Thank you, guys. All right. So Joe, and I are going to step out when we come back, take a commercial break. When we come back, we will wrap up episode 16 of the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. In NCAA Division II, student athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. That's because Division II student-athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student-athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division II, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. 
Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And we are back here on the Dolphin Pod. You just heard our conversation with Anthony Lozada, CSI Dolphins men's baseball senior. Dave, another great conversation with one of our student athletes. We do it seemingly now every week. Sometimes we have administrators or other influential folks from around campus on, but our conversations with the student athletes, always some of the best. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, listening to Anthony's story. Obviously a, a tremendous baseball kid and has been around the sport his whole life. And just to hear his perspectives on being a student and an athlete and to be doing it for a baseball program, which has always had great success, um, you know, really means means a lot. Uh, Anthony is part of a lot of uh, unique, talented players on this team. The Dolphins this year have a really good cross section of seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. So it's going to be like a, a real unique and interesting look at the team this year. And Anthony's kind of like, you know, he might deflect, but his coaches look at him really as a centerpiece, a stabilizing force uh, to the team. And you could see by how well worded he is, what a good speaker he is. Uh, what a great head he has on his shoulders regarding his future uh, after baseball. You could see just, um, you know, how important he is to, uh, you know, to a team like this one. I have to say his future planning far exceeded mine <laughs> when I was here. He definitely has a detailed plan of where he intends to take his future beyond the College of Staten Island. And that's always a great thing and refreshing to hear, as you mentioned, from our student athletes. And in terms of the on the field product for men's baseball, regardless of what the record column says in terms of wins and losses, they're always entertaining to watch. They're never out of a game. And I always look forward to their season, which is coming up the home debut on March 14th. But you, as you said, this time next week, they will be on a bus to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, a trio of doubleheaders to open the season. I know they're looking forward to it. And I'll definitely be tuning in online. Yeah. You know, I always say that that the two sports that are very, very tough to be a part of if you're not in a winning program is soccer and baseball. And it's not because the pace of the games. It's just because, you know, when it's played at a high level, it could be really entertaining. And when it's played at a very low level, it could be very, it could be a, a big waste of time, to be honest. But, and the fact that we've had such really great baseball programs here at the college and soccer programs are really a gift, at least to me, that's my own personal perspective. Uh, but I think it's always entertaining. They're never out of a game. We've sat in some games where we fell behind four, nothing, six, nothing, that community championship you spoke about, I think it was six, nothing. Uh, and we were like, oh man, this game, this game is over. It's getting, getting, it's getting worse before it gets better. And then boom, we get a base hit, we get a run, we get a walk, somebody gets hit by a pitch and all of a sudden you have a game and it's wild. It's crazy. The fans get into it and it ends up being one of the classics that we do on Sportsnet that we go back to and revisit half the time. So it's entertaining. Baseball season's a fun one and it's, it's refreshing to be outside. When that weather's good, it's it's a real welcome uh, break from what we've been doing here in the winter. And I could sit here and reminisce about some of our greatest baseball games <laughs> for the next 20 minutes, but I'll leave with this one. A game that I know we did cover, Bobby Drake and I, I believe, maybe it was two years ago, the game against Finlandia. Finlandia, right. So that game against Finlandia, I think we fell behind 6 nothing, came back, and I think we were also down maybe 13-7 to yep. or 12-7. to We ended up winning 19-12, like to 12, yeah. some really crooked score. like a foot, but probably an XFL score with some odd numbers in there. And Speaking of the XFL, I actually have enjoyed it quite a bit. But that's a discussion yeah. for another day. <laughs> we'll have, yeah, we will, we'll have to table that. But, you, you know, you mentioned something like that. But I, I'll find that when, once we cover b baseball a little bit more. But we, we had a Manhattanville game here, I would say, like, maybe six, seven years ago, where we were actually playing for the run rule because we were – we were losing like 13 nothing at one point. We ended up coming back and winning like 21 to 18. It was a wild game and it, it was crazy. I got to find that game one day and uh, and we'll have to revisit it. It was awesome. Well, I don't doubt that happened <laughs> having watched this team for only five years. You've seen far 
more men's baseball here at the College of Staten Island than I have, though I did watch the Staten Island Yankees play here in the late 90s as well. So I do have a history that extends beyond my time with CSI Athletics. So that will wrap up this week's episode of the Dolphin Pod. Next week, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Nicole Sarcone will join us on the podcast. That will be episode 17, if I'm not mistaken, of the Dolphin Pod. This has been episode 16. Until next week, this has been Joe Foreman alongside David Pizzuto. Tune in to CSIDolphins.com every Friday at approximately noon for the latest episode of the Dolphin Pod. You've been listening to the Dolphin Pod. Remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show and check out our archive broadcast throughout the year. If you have questions, comments, would like to be booked on the show, or have an idea for a show guest, be sure to leave us feedback, as well as catch all of our shows right here at CSIDolphins.com backslash podcasts. From all of us here at the College of Staten Island, thank you for listening to the Dolphin Pod.